Hello, thank you for listening to Carter the Accountant, an economic development podcast sharing authentic success stories and personal journeys that celebrate all that it means to live a life. The big dreams, love, loss, success, financial planning, lost potential, and beyond. Thank you for listening to Carter the Accountant and Dr. Willie Clemens. Thank you for joining Carter the Accountant. This is a, for our listeners out there, I like to remind folks that this is a guided economic improvement talk uh, that's centered around authentic success stories. And what that simply means is everybody has a success story, um, or I should say a story, we're focused on the successful ones. And the improvement talk, the economic development piece is simply about how do we go from here to there? So every conversation we're looking for that next that guidance, that insight for our listeners, you know, someone with your experience being 40 years in, um, in education, as well as one of the founding partners of 100 Black Men, amongst many, many other accolades that you have. I first want to just dive into um, why did you choose um, to be into, you know, academia? Um. I come from a family that um, is service oriented and and have chosen to to give and to dedicate their lives uh, of, of, of sharing and working, teaching uh, of others and for being a public servant mm-hmm. and uh, Early on, uh, growing up in Mobile, Alabama, uh, in the segregated South, we were limited in terms of what we could achieve professionally. Mm. Uh, Teaching was a a key uh, profession there, and it was recognized as, quote, uh, a highly social uh, and uh, accepted um, economically, <laughs> not the case, but then uh, from giving back and working and, and, and making a difference in the lives of others was what I was taught and was uh, looked at those, including my family, who was in this particular profession. My aunt uh, was a teacher and uh, so she set the example uh, for, for me in, in, in that line. So I chose that area because I felt as though that I could certainly make a difference and have the, uh, an, an impact on the lives of others. That's what we want to kind of get into because, you know, I'm looking at a lot of young folks that I feel uh, tend to be lost, as I say, in terms of how to successfully build uh, personal relationships as well as professional relationships. Um, what I've identified is that we, they lack, and I'm the elder of millennials. I like to tell folks that I was born in 81. I am unfortunately considered a millennial, right. but, <laughs> and I say that with love because I love the little young bucks and I really, you know, I have a bunch of little mentees under me as well. But what they lack is boots on the ground. I call it, you know, eye contact, handshakes, that's like the new, you know, profound, the lost um, professionalism, I would say. Um, but to their side of the fence, they feel that us, 
uh, my generation older have not really passed the torch efficiently. Uh, what's your feedback on that in terms of, what do you think? You think that the ball was dropped in terms of passing the torch to these young folks or what? Oh yeah, I, I, I do in, in, in some instances. We, uh, with my generation who uh, grew up, um, say from a disadvantaged perspective in many instances and not having a lot of the rights and privileges as our white counterpart, uh, we were, were, were excited for whatever success that we had. So when we became, say, quote, professional and mm -hmm. in, in, in the sense, and we started raising our families, we wanted our children to, to not lack uh, for anything. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we were um, busy spoon feed, feeding and giving them pretty much the desires of, of their hearts with, without giving them as much, with very little expectation other than that we wanted them to be successful. We thought that this was the route that mm. should go in order for them to be professional like we were or whatever the, the case may be. So we failed in some instances not to carry through uh, the, the traditions that we were taught, uh, such as love thy neighbor as ourselves and to be courteous and kind in the sense of giving and sharing. And so the torch was not fully passed and what's missing is what you are have, have, have identified the boots on the ground, uh, the, the need to feel that I need to contribute or I need to give back or I need to do a lot of things. And so many of that, and unless that was acquired, uh, it was not a part of our, say, fully teaching or living the examples of because we were so busy and concerned about making sure that they did not endure a lot of the hardships that we did. What we failed to realize that while we were trying to protect them from certain hearts, those hardships, others things arise that was didn't was they were not prepared to deal with. And that's what you are seeing. Yeah. And that makes sense. You know, I never really thought of it that way. Um, so I look at this in two folks. So we have a generation that hasn't, let's just say, properly been raised in the sense of boots on the ground, eye contact, putting in work, right? Um, then we have combined with that, the way I'm looking at this is twofold. So combined with that, you have social media, which uh, is also um, causing identity crisis. You know, I, I just did a recent post that said, never rid yourself for your self image. And what I find is that there's a lot of folks that that are promoting these brands, but they have no, they're about the brand image, but there's no brand integrity. It's not really them. They're posting that they're in Dubai, but they're Lake Lanier. <laughs> so, you know, with all the filters and pictures, you know, there's no real self that's being displayed. Uh, and then they're chasing algorithms. So every time Instagram or Facebook, whatever, change the algorithm, young people are caught up with, what do I need to do to stay relevant outside of myself, 
if that makes sense, from a social media stance. Absolutely. So if you keep perpetuating this, and your experience as an educator, like, what do you foresee this going, and how can we collectively uh, implement real change? Sure. I, I think that, and you're right, that the, 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 the times and the changes, the social media and all of the other, the, the technology and all of that has certainly impacted our lives to the point that they become, say, quote, the gods and that, that we follow that. Our basic values have been compromised. Mm. One of the things that I preach, and I know that you can attest to this, is that uh, me and, and, and some of our peers, my peers, are, are still trying to hold on to those traditions of the one-on-one. -on -one. I, I prefer having a conversation with you. As I often say, I like to touch the hem of your garment. Rather than receiving a text, because I think that is so impersonal, and we have lost those values there that has caused the problems that that we're experiencing now. The whole Black Lives Move um, Matters movement now is is something that has has awakened this. That's hey, we, where are we? Because this we have just have gone to a whole different level. Mm -hmm. It's coming back to see the boots on the ground, the respect, respect yes. for women. I mean, this whole yeah. thing. We, we, growing up, we would have never done the things that your generation with women. Women were idolized. I mean, our mothers, our sisters, our girlfriends, all of those things, they were idolized. They were put on them. They are now treated like trash. Uh, there's not the kind of respect. So the whole communication process mm -hmm. has changed. And as a result of these basic things, we're having this national crisis mm -hmm. of the survival of Black males, whole mm -hmm. social injustices and all this. So we have to all of these things, let alone God is nowhere in this. Yeah. You believe in those things anymore. We don't have the faith to trust each other. And so we are leading into these kinds of things that you are seeing now. So what you are seeing, the results of that. And until we begin now to take ownership and begin to create programs and create all kinds of things, things like what you are doing. And I have to admit, I admire you taking a, a, a leadership, but let me address this. Let me use the resources that I have, that I've been given to kind of give back and to help and to guide. These are the kinds of things that are going to happen. As I mentioned, you know what I'm doing here in Sarasota with the visible. Yeah. Academy. Yeah, and I want to I want to get into that. Because, and as I say, you know, there's there's love, passion, purpose, and I've even gotten to the point where purpose is I'm, I'm seeking to achieve outside of myself. You know, creating this podcast, 
Um, one other little piece I would like to note is this whole COVID, everybody's working from home. That's another thing that can um, limit growth, particularly with young people, um, because they don't have that, that elder in the office anymore. You know, they're starting jobs, everything's virtual. So they don't have that person who can pull them on their shoulder and say, hey, pull your pants up or dress better or you should talk more clear or, you know, sit up, don't hunch over, you know, or, or even how to do your job. How about that? Because what the older generation teaches us is what doesn't change, that love element. This is what doesn't change. This is who you are as a person, you know, developing that pride, that sense of, right. of being, you know, outside of just education. But that said, I do want to chime into the Sarasota, like what are you guys doing in Sarasota? Can you kind of, for our listeners, give us the skinny of that? <laughs> I'm, I'm excited yeah. about it. I love what you guys are doing. Well, and, 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 and me too. I, I still, it still comes back to um, how I got here. And I just have to preface that by saying how I came, came to Sarasota. Um, after being in Atlanta for 45 years, and you know my involvement in that city of helping and shaping and growing and paid an integral role. ultimate connector. <laughs> right. And I mean. so Washington people were really <laughs> shocked. Well, why are you leaving all of this? You know, everybody knows you. You're in the thick of things. You and your wife, you all are doing this, blah, blah, blah. Why are you leaving and going into somewhat uncharted territory and, and so forth? But I, you know, come back to my roots and, and, and to my teaching, as, as I have said earlier, from a spiritual base that I feel as though this was God's purpose for me. Uh -huh. To definitely take up and do like many of his disciples and biblical characters uh -huh. and follow him. And so that led me here. Well, the here came as a result, what am I going to do here? And that's exactly what I have been doing. Pretty much the same thing that I did in Atlanta, you know, over the years. And God connected with and was introduced to, uh, to Neil Phillips and to Lewis Parker, who uh, gave up very, very, very lucrative careers to come and to follow their passion and their purpose and their calling. Um, Lewis uh, grew up in poverty in Pittsburgh. And uh, he, his, parent, his father couldn't read or write and, and all. And he was thought of, of education as a way out for Lewis and then enrolled him in this A Better Chance program. And from that, he got the opportunity of a lifetime. It's changed him that he went through that program to one of the, the most prestigious prep schools, boarding schools in this country, um, Andover. And then from there, he went to the University of Pennsylvania uh, and then to Harvard. And then from Harvard became the CEO of one of the divisions of GE. Oh. And, and so his story, if you have, starts from poverty to CEO. And so that's a story within itself. And so what he did made all the money 
but decided, hey, I needed to come and make a difference in the life and help someone just as I was helped. The same thing with Lewis. Lewis didn't come from poverty as such, but went to Harvard, played professional uh, basketball out of the country. I mean, just done a lot of things, made a lot of money. I mean, all of that, but they decided, hey, my passion is here. So the two of them, along with two other people, started Visible Men Academy. And that is a school, it's a public charter school for at-risk boys. I love the name, by the way. They are from K to five. Okay. And they uh, are, 96% of them are at or below the poverty level. 6% is homeless, but they have a dynamite program that they instill character development. First of all, we know they come from this situation, but that shouldn't define you. So they do this whole every day is built on character, integrity, kindness, all of those. And how long have they been around? Eight years now. Eight years, that's and, right. And uh, they have just, it's a fantastic program. The success rate, they, um are the um uh, listed here in 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 florida they call in terms of an a and b and and a to to f school their ratings are a to b their boys um uh, 10 percent of them go to two of the top um uh prestigious uh, schools in sarasota and so you could look at the academic success, their reading scores, that all of the academic, they out a, a cut above the average. So they're doing the academic thing, but they are also teaching them to be leaders. Mm -hmm. trained. And so what they've asked us to do, men here, is to join and partner with them because they are needing role models. They need to see of men, but men of color in, in who are professional and hear that story. So a part of this is what they're going to eventually do is the group that I'm putting together, these successful men here in Sarasota, men of color, and you've got them, former CEOs, former college, two of the college pres former college presidents in Atlanta are right here as, as well. So we're putting in all these guys to come and to to work to partner with us and to That's sort of adding it to the story. curriculum, mm -hmm. they're going to tell their story. It's going to be recorded, and they're going to make that as a part of their curriculum, so that the kids, the boys, can see as a part of that curriculum. Here is say um, um, uh, Sam Carter who is a successful entrepreneur, he is an accountant, blah, blah, blah. So they see that story um, every day. Um, and you that's what this is. And so we pulled in key people. Ambassador Andrew Young, when I had him here in January for, for a big, big Bond of the King's birthday celebration, I had him to do a, a breakfast with these men and with this. And he was so impressed with this. He has lent his name 
you got a lot of key individuals that are sort of the same thing. And that's what I'm asking you to do, Sam, <laughs> is <laughs> that rank so that these guys and us and these programs are going to be duplicated across the country. Well, I'm certainly interested to see how our platform um, can be a part of this curriculum um, as well as our resources as well. Um, so I had a question here, and I think we're kind of answering it, but I want to ask it specifically. Does Black America need an unwritten secession plan? Your answer is? Yes. <laughs> 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 and, and in part, we're, we're starting with the younger folks, K through five. Let's just, let's just go off what, what you guys are doing in Sarasota um, so that these folks can actually grow up and be those next leaders, right? Absolutely. And I think our approach is really to target all different levels because you have, you know, you have millennials that are in their 20s that are trying to start businesses and, and are working with corporations that are just completely confused, as I would say confuse us in terms of how to be successful, how to commit to a job. You know? Absolutely. I, oh, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I, I do want to make this point. You are right in the thick of this, and this is what I mentioned to you. Mm -hmm. You're doing with that group should be done through what we're doing with the 100 Black Men of Atlanta. Mm -hmm. As we started a collegiate 100 program where students from Clark, Morehouse, Spelman, uh, Georgia State, Georgia Tech, Emory, Atlanta Metropolitan College, they're all a part of what we call the Collegiate 100. And I think mm -hmm. maybe around 75 or so, and they're organized. And we are mentoring them, you know, try to get them scholarships. We get, I mean, the whole nine yards, getting them pretty similar to what we, what we talk about, what we started with our project success uh, program when we started this organization. So we've got, that's a group here that you are talking about that your program would fit very well. That's number one. But mm -hmm. what we also started was what we call the emerging 100. Yes, and I remember that. Of young professionals who's just starting in their career. And I will tell you, those guys are dynamite. And they are needing what you are, uh, are doing. And that's a group that you could definitely target. But we have, that's a group that's in already existing. Your partnering with this, I think, would be excellent because they're needing all of this kind of thing as well. So we have avenues to address the gamut. We got starting at K, which we know is very, very critical because that's the, the beginning of this. They develop their attitudes, their work habits, their disposition. All of these things is done at starting there at three and four and five years old and then gone all the way. Our intent is to track them through this whole process. And I'll tell you this, what we did at Morehouse School of Medicine before I left, the same thing. 
the na there's a national crisis of black males going into medicine. That's what that, and it just has alarmed everything. And what, if nothing is done, by the next 10 years from now, you won't see any black males going into being put your doctors, you know, because be black females. Our schools now predominantly are more female driven in medicine than male. So we gotta, we decided to grow our own. And that's what we did. We got the pharmaceutical companies to give us big dollars to retrofit these elementary schools and put, put sciences and the STEM programs and all of that in these schools and, and focus on black males, not excluding black females, but black males, because that's what where the projects is. So we're starting that early yeah. and we're tracking them all the way up to medical school or health sciences or whatever the case may be. So what you're, I, I give you that background to let you know that these are things that are being done. There are some programs right there in Atlanta, some partnership opportunities that you can take what you are doing and add to that process there. I think it, it has- oh, Definitely, yeah, a lot of what we're doing is definitely building those, what I call strategic uh, partnerships. Absolutely. But let me ask you this question. So I think this is an important question. Because um, what we're talking is essentially how I'm viewing this top down. You know, we have these organizations, part of the accountant. We have uh, what you guys are doing, Start Soil. We have the 100 that's working, as I say, top down. They're working with folks. But if I'm an ordinary person, I'm that kid in poverty, I'm living in the hood. I somehow bumped into this podcast or someone shared it with me. How do you, as an educator, a successful black man, um, the ideal father figure, you know, every, everybody wishes for a dad like Dr. Clemens. I'm that little kid, I'm in a hood. What do I do? What, what, what do we, what's your advice to that young person that's seeking to grow? What daily habits should they have? How do they source out um, those type of people? You know, they're just surrounded by, let's just say, emptiness. What do they do on a daily basis? Do they just pick up the phone and call the 100? <laughs> no. And, 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 and what daily going? habits could they practice, I guess, to, to slowly get themselves to, 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 you know? Yeah, I think that what, what, what we are doing, the model is, is there. It's just how do you get that, how do you impart that into the communities as such? And I think that there are various avenues to do that. Where are the, 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 the Black, say you're using Black mm -hmm. families that are in the hood, where, where, where do they get their inspirations? Where do they go? Nine times out of 10, it just was no different than my upbringing, and that is the church. Mm. See, the church is where we are because, and it's a part of our history because we couldn't go, <laughs> we couldn't do anything else. We didn't have the other uh, uh, options. The church was in where we had the freedom mm. and all of the movements, as you see, that have come, emanated came out of the church. You look at Martin Luther King, all of those guys, Andy Young, the church 
that's what is a vehicle. But what has happened, we have not, we have become, say, somewhat anti-religious. So we don't see the need and the fact. So we're not there. Uh, we're here with the social media piece. And that's what we have, we, that becomes our guard. We're not in church. Uh, on Sunday mornings. We don't see that, we don't do these kinds of things anymore. Our parents did, I did, grew up in that, resented it while I was going to it. But I thank everyday God for having that experience because that helped shape who I am. You don't have that anymore. So and it's so funny you say that though, because even I forgot, it's so funny you say that because even my upbringing, I had one grandmother that was Baptist, one grandmother that was Catholic. And I went to so many, I've been, and I used to sing in churches when I was a kid too. So I've been in so many churches as a young buck, um, Baptist one Sunday, Catholic the next Sunday. And you're absolutely right. And I do think that was a beautiful answer, by the way, because, and so what I would say to young people is, as, as you're identifying this anti-religion, if you guys are on social media, find a platform that you can log into on a daily basis and self-inspire through a, a pastor or some type of mentor out there um, that's more inspiring, right? Is that what I'm hearing essentially? Yeah, I think- Tap into yeah. the inspiration, not listen to rap music all day and videos and, and you know right. what I mean? And all the gossip and mess that's out there. Make sure you're yeah, yeah, detoxing yeah. more than you intox. Is, yeah, is what I like to say. But the church has been that, and 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 we need to put that back on the on the on the ministers. Not put it on them, but getting more and co connecting the dot where the people are. You have to remember now, most of the the kids that we're working with. Uh, for an example, one of the families, the, the family that we're adopted, and I think, and you know this by now, over the years during Thanksgiving and Christmas and throughout the year, we adopt a family and they become ours. And we provide only food, but also uh, teaching experience, all of those kinds of things that are important that you were saying. So that's what we have, what, 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 what we've done. My kids grew up in that and they too have looking at this too as well. So, but you remember now, because when I went to this family's house to take them, that whole dinner with the trimmings and all of that and talk to them. They don't have the resources. They don't have the computer. Uh, so they can't do Zoom calls. They can't do the, uh, the distance, the virtual learning and all, because they don't have that. Many of these people over here trying to survive, their lights may be on one day and may be off for a week because they don't have the resources to go. So they're struggling. So we have to be, and that's what I'm saying, to really get in the trenches and determine what's the needs here. What are we needing to definitely do to really, really impact and to help them? So I think it's still those basic things that's here and the basic vehicle for us where we are. You have to find, start where they are. Yeah. You, know, you can't expect them there. You have to find where they are. So as I said, we know that most of them, uh, some many instances, 
there's the church that's there, there's the school that's there. Those are vehicles where our, those families and children are, and we have to create those initiatives around that. That's what I was saying to you. We need your help. We know that what you're doing is fantastic, but we need your help because we're boots on the ground and yeah, yeah, yeah. over here doing that. And then people need to see us being boots on the ground. And I will tell you this, and I know we're going to have to close, but my the experience and the challenge that I have is getting us now that's who us who are successful, us who are successful to really, really give back mm -hmm. is a struggle and a challenge. Those of us, and I'm talking about black folks <laughs> who are successful to give back, and I'm not talking about, let me just write you a check, which definitely we want, but they also need your physical presence, and especially with these black men, black boys. I mean, you, that is, in many instances, more crucial than the dollars and the cents, because they don't have that. They don't have it. And so we're expecting them to come out of nowhere and to be the greatest and not do X, Y, and Z. But we're not willing to definitely do that. So the investment, we're not investing as we should. Investing, as you very well know, in your language, involves all of this. You invest your time, talent, and your resources and then that you're going to get the return. The investment that you make is going to determine the quality and the level of the return that you are going to get. And so that's the message here that we need to with two Let me ask you this, how can folks, if folks want to contribute, that they simply just search Visible Men Academy and they're able to contribute? Oh, they could come. Learn more about the organization. <laughs> Um, yes, absolutely. And, no, and, and we can provide information and, 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 and you know I am, because you know I have been on you in terms of support, and this is what I do. Okay, so we'll definitely have a part two. I want to conclude by asking you, what's one of your favorite quotes? Oh. <laughs> uh, Put you on the spot. <laughs> And one of mine is biblical, is trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your understanding, but always acknowledge him and he will direct your path. That's one of my favorites that I try to do. Trust in him and not in me. And well, there you have it, folks. Dr. Willie Clemens, thank you for joining thank the you. conversation. Until next time, we definitely have to have a part two. Oh, I would love to. <laughs> thank you, and sir. Thank you guys for what you're doing as well, okay? Absolutely. We're going to keep moving, so. Thanks for listening to Carter the Accountant. We envision a world where essential and transformative powers will help people turn nothing into something. Follow us on Instagram at Carter the Accountant.